High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, loyal slumbers. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the birthday party's at my place this evening. That's right, today we have a special bonus birthday episode. Three years. I can't believe it. If you would have told me I've been doing this for three years, well, maybe. I thought we'd do it for four, but... Who the hell knows at this point? There are so many high school movies. They make so many high school movies every year. They make so many teen movies. There were so many teen movies I didn't even know were teen movies. But I'm having a blast. We're 200 and something episodes in. 205, 6, 7, something along those lines. It's insane. It's insane. But I've enjoyed every minute of it. Even when it was a labor, it was a labor of love. So thank you so much for being loyal and celebrating this birthday episode with me. Now, to be honest with you, I wasn't even going to do a birthday episode. We already have two other episodes coming out this week, and I just didn't think it was that, I don't know, wanted or important, but I thought about it, and I'm like, I made a promise. I made a promise to cover 16 candles every time this podcast has a birthday. Who knows? At this point, it might be 16 times, (laughs) but this is 16 candles, number three, I thought about bringing a guest on and all that, but, you know, I figured, let me celebrate alone. 2020, early part of 2021, was such an alone year that, I don't know, feels appropriate. Also, on my other podcast, P.S. I Love Hoffman, P.S. I Still Love Hoffman, that series, we do a lot of rewatches and commentary, and that was another thing. I was like, how do I make this episode different? How do I talk about 16 Candles again? And I'm like, why don't I do a commentary on it? And maybe next year I'll do a commentary with a guest. Who knows? Probably because they're fun. But I figured the first commentary I do on 16 Candles should be just me riffing, talking for an hour and a half. Sorry. (laughs) Basically, how this is going to work if you're not familiar with podcast commentaries, I have the DVD queued up because I own the DVD. But if you are streaming 16 Candles, stream it along with me. Put your volume a little bit lower. I'm going to have my volume off. Subtitles. I've seen this movie so many times that I don't even really need subtitles. But just in case. And I'll just be making commentary on it. So you want to sync the movie with my voice, if that makes sense. So I'll give you a countdown in a second. First, I want to talk a little bit about High School Slumber Party and how it started. This has been a crazy, crazy adventure in my life. By the way, no homework today. Just good, clean fun. It's one of those days in school. Those were awesome, right? Where someone brought cupcakes to school and you just ate cupcakes and talked. That's one of these days, so don't worry. (laughs) So 
After the aforementioned PSL of Hoffman finished its initial run, or it was wrapping up, I started to think about what I wanted to do next. He claims it's not the case, but my co-host on that show, Kyle Reinfried, I could tell he was getting a little bit maybe annoyed with me, or I don't know. He wanted to spread his wings, and I could tell that he wanted to do another solo show. Another show, but solo, I should say. And I was like, hmm, maybe I should do that too. What can I do? He didn't really have an idea for what he was going to do. But I kind of jumped the gun and thought about a couple concepts. Maybe just movies from my youth. Maybe, I don't know, sports movies. I, I thought about a couple things. Music movies. And then I settled on this high school slumber party thing. Because, I don't know, I just love these teen movies. And I wanted to see them all. I think they're just so important. And frankly, I've said this a couple times. I've alluded to this. Was my high school experience good? It was, I guess, but there's a lot of bad I look back on there. Like, I was not happy, or I'm not happy currently with the person I was in high school. Maybe I'm too hard on myself. I don't know. But I used to watch these classic teen movies and put myself in them and be like, oh, that's the high school I want to go to. Those are the dynamics I want to see. And I don't know. I guess I didn't get that out of my total high school experience, but... I just want to relive these memories again. And I'm like, you know what? I want this to be a long-term project. I definitely didn't want it to be a chronological project. I didn't want to do another actor and be like, this is his first movie. This is his last movie. Trust me, I love podcasts like that. I do, but just wanted a break. I wanted to be able to choose any movie I wanted for the next week and, yeah, just live like that. So the high school genre felt perfect to me. I remember also talking to a bunch of people on this Cage Club podcast network. And just like friends, and they're like, wow, that all sounds like a fun idea. I love those movies. Great. Next came the name, and I could not think of a name. I think this is one of the weirdest named podcasts, High School Slumber Party. How it came to be, I don't even know. I wrote a list of potential names. I sent a poll out to some friends and some trusted people. And really, the podcast name I was thinking of was High School Reunion, because that's what it was going to feel like to me, a high school reunion. I thought that would be the runaway winner, but no. (laughs) High School Slumber Party became the runaway winner. I'm like, you know what? Forget it. Let's lean into it. And that's when I came up with more of what the show was going to be like, right? It wasn't going to be an analytical approach to these films. It wasn't going to be like you were taking a college class or anything like that, or a high school class. Well, even though I pretend it is a high school class at times, it wasn't going to be like that at all, though. I just wanted to watch these movies, reminisce about high school, reminisce about these movies, watch some new movies, and just experience it, you know? And I also made the choice early on that I wasn't going to do just the classics. I think I probably would be more successful if I did just the classics. Anytime I do a classic movie, those are the most listened to episodes, really. That and the niche episodes. And I bring up the niche episodes because, God, those are so fun and those are so cool. I love doing classics like Six and Candles, but I love doing these weirdo high school movies that no one's ever heard of. And you know what? I think that marriage is what makes High School Slumber Party so fun for me and what makes me be able to do it twice a week most times and just keep powering through and keep being excited about it. I'm not pigeonholed in a genre. I'm not watching the same movie over and over again. Yeah, there are a lot of similarities, but... Hey, if I'm sick of the classic retupassage John Hughes film, let's do a horror film. Let's do a film from the 70s. Let's do a film that came out yesterday. There's always room for that in this genre, and I cannot wait to keep exploring 
these awesome high school films. So what I decided to do today, decided to wake up early, quiet before my neighborhood gets really loud on a weekend, and decided to rewatch 16 Candles. And I don't know, maybe I'm going to spew a couple facts. Maybe I'm just going to talk and react. Who knows? But I hope you watch along with me. And even if you don't, I'm sure you've seen 16 Candles, and I'm sure it'll be a fun ride anyway. I do want to thank, before I get into it, the Cage Club Podcast Network for hosting me, for supporting me, specifically Joey Lewandowski, of course, the godfather himself, who has supported me throughout this podcast and continues to offer positive and negative criticism whenever necessary, and I love that, and I need that, and I thrive on that, and he's been a guest here, and he's been super, super supportive, and everyone with the network, Mike Manzi, of course, the co-founder who's our most frequent guest, Kyle Reinfried, as I mentioned, Kara, Jordan, They've all been guests here, and we've all had a good time. And you know what? Outside network guests, too, have made this show really, really stand out. Kate Hudson, specifically, her old Twilight series. But damn, during the pandemic, she was so clutch to me in terms of just, let's talk about a silly movie. (laughs) But there were some really, really great ones there. But also, let's talk about Jenny O'Connell, who's been here a ton. Good friend of mine who's been able to hop on. John Harden, who hasn't been here too much, but I love talking with him. I really, really do. Some of my high school friends, Mike Rivera early on, Chris Carroll, who's always great. Danny Kim, who brings that awesome, awesome insight. Dan Ferrara and his wife, Autumn, always great having them on. Wow, I should have put a list of all the guests I wanted to thank, like, like an Oscar speech, because I know I'm going to forget people. Um, who else? Austin Wolf Southern is always great. Man, he is always, always great. I'm missing some people. I know that. Oh, how about Shawnee Mead? She just helped me out the other day. Shawnee Mead has been amazing all the way from Australia. Jenna Guillaume from Australia as well. You know, she doesn't have to take out the time and do this show when she does. She's an accomplished YA writer now. But when she does, it's always, always awesome. And how about the newer projects we're working on? We have High School Slumber Party BTE, the Black Teen Experience with Kirkland Shepard. That's been awesome. And how about Island Addington and High School Slumber Party AP? That's been so clutch. I love exploring these new movies with her. And trust me, we're going to have a bunch of cool stuff coming up the pike. New side projects. I can't wait for them. Oh, my God. I can't believe I missed these people who are just coming to my brain right now. Joe Two who's been with us on this Twilight Lab, who does our Lifetime movies with us. He's been so, so great. Christian Larson, who's been awesome. Dan Cologne. God, the list goes on forever. How about Cousin Pumpkin, a recent addition to High School Slumber Party, my cousin. And he's brought such, I don't know, such an awesome feeling, a little bit of different tone to High School Slumber Party. He's been great. If I forgot a main guest, let me know. I'm going to thank him on the next episode. I'm sure I did. i got to rack my brain with who else has been on and who else we've had on a lot. Galen Howard, Charlie Talbert. Ooh, like I said, the list goes on. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And of course, I want to thank the Slumbers for following me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, for listening to me ramble about some of the silly films, for listening to me and Mike Manzi ramble the other day for two hours and a half more on Dream a Little Dream. (laughs) Stuff like that is so important to me, so special to me. And, And thank you, thank you, thank you. I see the people who listen every week, and I don't know, it means so much to me. And like I've always said, even if one person listened every week, I would be just so flattered and honored. Spread the word of High School Slumber Party because... 
I don't know if you're enjoying it. I'm sure someone else is. But you know what? If you don't want to do that either, I don't care. Make it your own thing. This is so fun. I love how intimate this show is. I, I really do. It just feels so personal, so personal to me. And I can't wait to go on to year four, really. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I also can't wait. And I can't believe to just talk more of these movies. I can't wait for our end of year yearbook special. Joey Lewandowski will be on that. I can't wait for our awards in that episode, but I also can't wait for our Hall of Fame. I think you're going to like what we have in store for the summer. That's pretty cool, to be honest with you. Is it summer school? Is it something else? Who knows? But I'll just give a little tease. We're going to go back to the origins of the teen movie. That's all you need to know right now, and I can't wait. Without further ado, let's rewatch 16 Candles. So I'm on a DVD menu, so give me a second to really cue it up. So since a lot of DVDs start in different places, a lot of streaming places start in different places, we're going to try to cue ourselves up at the same place. Now, yours might have a newer Universal logo. Forget that. We're going to start at the stars of that old kind of weird-looking Universal logo that looks like it was kind of claymation or, or done in a studio, right? So as soon as you start seeing, like, stars in the universe, that's where you're going to press pause. I'll give you, like, a couple seconds. Got it? Great. So I'm at 00001 on my DVD. Not sure where you are, but hopefully we're around the same place. So I'm going to press play. I'm going to say 3, 2, 1, play, and you'll press play as well. 3, 2, 1, play. The radio announcer talking. We're seeing that old Universal Earth come on. And I feel like I'm going to watch a monster movie with this logo. An MCA company. I, growing up, loved how John Hughes movies often opened with just waking up on a normal day. Oh my god, I never noticed this dog just like running besides this pickup truck. Wow, that doesn't feel safe. Hopefully that dog goes back to its home. Different world, right? These Chicago suburbs, they like to pretend it's middle class, but these are like million-dollar homes in beautiful towns. These are not middle-class people. <laughs> Again, I love the waking up. Love it. You know what I also love in a teen movie? Kid brother and kid sister. We rarely get both, right? Oh, don't beat up your sister. Usually we get a wise-talking brother or a wise-talking sister. So I was reading that this dad was the dad from a film, Breaking Away, which is like a bicycle movie. I got to see if that's a high school movie because I'd love to cover that. But he didn't want to do this. Paul Dooley's his name. He didn't want to do this because it was like the same character. But John Hughes like begged him to do it. And he actually wrote that really touching scene later just so he would do the movie. And I keep mentioning John Hughes. John Hughes is in our Hall of Fame, of course. So is Molly Ringwald. Yeah, I mean, this is the first directed and written John Hughes movie. He had worked on the Vacation movie. He had, of course, been a part of National Lampoons, which I think we're going to talk about. But this was his baby. This is the OG John Hughes teen film, 16 Candles, which is part of the reason I do it for the birthday episode. But also, it's a birthday movie, right? Here she is, Molly Ringwald, our muse. Ugh, chronologically, you're 16. Physically? You're still 15. Ugh. 
being a teenager. She's so good because she just feels like a teenager. And she actually was 16, which is crazy. As we know from our awards, usually our end of episode awards, a lot of older people play teenagers, even in this movie. It's an often told story, and I know I've told it on the pod, but I feel like I have to mention it, that Molly Ringwald was really John Hughes' muse before he even met her. He saw a headshot of her looking just for a young actors to be in his like teen movies that he wanted to make, and he was like, oh my god, I want to cast this person. And he wrote the Sixteen Candles script in a relatively short amount of time for her. And it's funny because she was she had to audition, you know what I mean? She was an unknown. She had to go up against Ali Sheedy, ironically. It was her and Ali Sheedy for this role. John Hughes loved both. He cast her because, again, you know, she had the had the kind of advantage. She was the muse. But, of course, we will get Ali Sheedy and her in The Breakfast Club. Ah, the hat. The iconic Molly Ringwald hat from Sixteen Candles. So good. Another often told story, the casting director, or was it? No, it was a costume person did not want her to wear that hat, especially in that way. She insisted she wanted to wear her own things. John Hughes wanted her to kind of like be her own person here and wear her own things. And this hat became such an 80s fashion statement that, you know what, costume director, hope you learned a lesson here. (laughs) It's the way she wears the hat, right? Like it doesn't cover her bangs. She shows off the bangs, boom. Oh, God, this brat. I I know I said I loved him, but I kind of want to smack him. The Rave Up was a band of that era that Molly Ringwald actually liked. There's a story about that. (sighs) Forgetting of the birthday. It's what makes this whole movie just awesome, you know? They forgot my fucking birthday. Sixteen candles with the overlay over the high school like that. But just, ugh, when you're a kid and someone forgets your birthday, it's awful. The older you get, the more you realize, "Eh, I hope people forget my birthday. (laughs) I don't really care about my personal birthday, August 21st, if you want to send me a present. No, but I really don't care about my personal birthday. But other people's birthdays, I make sure I remember. Maybe it's because of this movie. I don't know. Actually, we're recording this on my mom's actual birthday. I shouldn't forget. I shouldn't forget to wish her a happy birthday. And tomorrow's Mother's Day. Big, big uh, mom weekend for me. Oh, God, I hated, I hated the locks in high school. Oh, this is the scene that is a, or a little moment, I guess, is talked about in the To All the Boys movie, the first one. It's like the hands in the back pocket thing. And they linger on those teenage butts for a little bit. Kind of (laughs) weird. Anthony Michael Hall, credited as the geek. He's credited as different things in different places. Farmer Ted and Ted Farmer. His actual name was Ted Farmer, but I don't know if it's deleted scenes or extended parts of the script. But since people, his teachers, his teachers would be like Farmer, Ted, almost like Fry, Bueller. Since they would do that, I, his nickname in school became Farmer Ted, but then he's kind of just known as the geek. I think he's the most frequent collaborator with John Hughes, not Molly Ringwald. 
And I think we'll talk about that a little bit later once he comes on screen. Or once they have that famous bus meeting, which I think is the first time he comes on screen, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I've always loved his sunglasses, even when I was a kid. Written and directed by John Hughes. Now, John Hughes isn't perfect. John Hughes is certainly problematic, especially early on. By the time he gets to Ferris Bueller, not a very problematic film. I'm sure you could nitpick it. But here, he's still in his old National Lampoon days. He needs to... He feels the need to kind of say some... I don't know, some weirdo lines. We'll talk about them. (laughs) We'll put it that way. And some interesting subplots, which I'm sure we'll talk about too. I've always loved the friend here. Give me a good friend character. Not that she's necessarily a good friend, to be honest with you, but just good friend banter is always awesome. Oh, here. So, see, problematic line when she's like, oh my God, you might want to be with a black guy? And the look on her face is like, what? Oh my God, how could that be? No, no, no. Pink guy, black Trans Am. Oh, okay. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah. There he is, your first shot of Jake Ryan, who, a character who people loved for the last 20 years, and I think in the last five years, more than 20 years, 30 years, I think in the last five years, has been like, oh, maybe this isn't the nicest guy. First of all, he's a man. He's a man in high school. But he's supposed to be like 18, so we'll give him that. I think he was 25. Michael Schofling is the actor's name. Famously, Viggo Mortensen was up for the role and kind of was favored for the role. Um, Molly Ringwald had a huge crush on Viggo Mortensen, wanted him to be cast. But no, they cast Michael Schofling. He had more of a quiet, understated, haughty presence. And again, I get it. He's a good-looking dude. He's a grown-ass man, but he's a good-looking dude. I used to remember this, passing notes and passing surveys like this in class. A primitive form of texting, if you will. Because you would just kind of just text this these days, even if it's not in class, you know. I don't know, do kids still pass notes? <laughs> I remember doing that, just like uh, stretching and dropping a note. Oh my god, mind your beeswax, Ramona. Look at this guy. He knows that note's not for him, and he takes it. I didn't realize that. Maybe I did, but ew, carpet in the classroom? That's gross. I love this idea that, like, when you had a trapper or a notebook, you had to write all over it. I know I did. There's plenty of weirdo S symbols on my notebooks. Probably more than notes, to be honest with you. Doodles, I believe they're called. (laughs) 
Uh, to her idea. Oh, I never noticed like the guys in the track seats in the background. They kind of look like Royal Tannenbaum style. Like, uh, I forgot which Tannenbaum that is. It's not Richie. You know, the Ben Stiller Tannenbaum. Oh my God. Wait, I love this scene. If you think Jake Ryan is a man, this dude is like 40. Now, some people have said that, by the way, this gym is intense, but <laughs> some people have said that like casting directors do this or directors do this kind of highlight the difference between younger people uh like sophomores and freshmen and seniors or just like the jocks because when you were in school the jocks did look like they were 40 but if you look at a jock today who looks like he's 40 he doesn't look like he's 40 does that make sense it's just perception so maybe that's the reasoning i don't know oh god throwing out an r word (laughs) again it was the 80s did you notice there's like a little kid fighting a bigger dude in the background I don't know. This movie's wacky. It's wackier than people think. People think it's just like a cute little love story. Nope. Wacky film. And if you're out there just listening, whoa. (laughs) I didn't even mean to cue it like that. We get a boob shot. Now, some people have complained about this gratuitous nudity of a teenager. By the way, that's a body double, I believe. It's not a teenager. The actor... um, Haviland Morris was not a teen. Well, that's obviously her head, but she was not a teenager anyway. Regardless, I have never really hated on that scene that much because uh, we've all been there. You know, you see someone with a more developed body than you and it's tough. It's tough. You know, maybe they didn't have to close up on the tits. (laughs) Maybe not. All right. We got to talk about this bus scene, though. So sorry, we'll skip the nudity and talk about the bus because this is one of the most iconic moments oh god just the subculture of this bus <laughs> you got a little shot of joan cusack who's awesome i know they're making fun of her braces disability but she's still awesome oh the nerds the jock straps on their heads <laughs> i think if you view this movie as a caricature piece it's a little bit more digestible in 2021. I still love 16 Candles. I do. Like, a lot of people lately have shit on it for again, problematic moments, but I still love this movie. It does have problematic moments, but again, caricature. Something we'll remember on this watch. Jockstrap boys, jockstrap boys. It's an interesting shot because they have to show all that to show that the friend left the bus. It's interesting. But it's important because now she's alone. (laughs) The Dragnet song. So this is the first time we see Ted Farmer, Farmer Ted, the geek. (laughs) Anthony Michael Hall's brilliant. Brilliant. He's also 16, super young, two teenagers acting their asses off. And I didn't really take the bus. I got picked up from school, but I remember being like the last person on a bus. It was so weird, like the occasional times that I did. Now, this has been something that's been dissected too, how much of a sleaze he is sniffing her acting like a complete tool bag. 
But now I watch it and I don't mind it as much because he's not supposed to be like a nice guy. He's supposed to be a sleaze here. We're not portraying him as a nice guy. <laughs> he's He thinks he's cooler than he is. Or maybe he doesn't. I don't know. That's kind of the, the allure of the geek. Should he be doing that? No, but we know that as the viewer. I think Jake Ryan's problems are a lot bigger than his. <laughs> He's just mimicking what he sees on TV, what he sees from men his whole life. And I love it, because he's so unsuccessful at it. All right, throws a bad word for gay people there. Am I turning you on? What do you think? See, I agree with him, especially growing up. A girl with a hat was so vogue. I loved it, and I love it now. Hats are cool. A guy with a hat is cool. Not, I mean, I like baseball caps, but you know what I mean. A hat, a true hat. Another TV theme here, Twilight Zone. Oh, boy. The grandparents are over. And they've moved into her room. So we've talked about this on not just High School Slumber Party, but also Mike Manzi's Third Time's a Charm, because we talked Christmas Vacation, another John Hughes-written film. And there are a lot of connections to this in Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation was a story, or based on a story he wrote for National Lampoon. And Sixteen Candles is his first movie. And, you know, at this point he's made Vacation, but he's not made Christmas Vacation. I don't know, maybe he's not sure that he's going to ever get to make Christmas Vacation or make something of that story. So there are a lot of elements from that Christmas Vacation story, believe it or not, the original story, that are in Sixteen Candles, including the grandparents coming over, which we do see in Christmas Vacation, two sets of grandparents coming over. And it was based on something that John Hughes experienced growing up when both his grandparents would come over, I believe, and it was just like this kind of chaos. (laughs) There's another big thing from that Christmas Vacation story that we get in this movie that we don't actually get in the Christmas Vacation movie. But I don't think a lot of people realize the connections between the two films. They're kind of, um, you know, two apples off the same tree. And not just the John Hughes tree, just their, their genesis is essentially the same story, or a lot of elements, I should say. And I love this. She doesn't exactly Ferris Bueller the camera and talk, but she has enough moments where she talks out loud That it feels like she's talking to us. Sammy Baker Davis Jr. And of course this is just showing how her grandparents are still treating her like a kid. (laughs) Yet no one knows. No one knows it's her birthday. You'll make her tinkle. Oh, this is one of the iconic... Iconic moments of the film. Oh, God, how embarrassing. And they're so perky. (laughs) So if you remember in Christmas Vacation, she's forced to sleep with her brother. 
And in this is kind of implication that she might have to sleep with her brother, you know? When I say sleep, I mean literally sleep. Oh, God. What's happening? Hot stuff. Long Duck Dong. One of the most controversial characters in film history. The Donger. Yeah. So let's talk about it. We have a Long Duck Dong award here for character that should be deleted from a film. And it's nothing against Getty Watanabe. Honestly, it's not. I actually like Getty Watanabe. On uh, Too Fast, Too Forever, we recently talked about, I say we, Joe Lundowski, Joe Two, their Too Fast podcast, the Fast and Furious universe. They do little pit stops on that. And they had a kind of Japan-themed pit stop, so we talked about a movie called Gung Ho that came out, I think, two years after this, or Getty Watanabe plays the president of a Japanese car company. So that should tell you his age. He was 28 here, so he could also be nominated for the Cameron Fry Award, honestly. <laughs> and yeah, so this character is based on Christmas Vacation, actually, or the story of Christmas Vacation, not the movie. In the Christmas Vacation story, originally, the grandparents bring over a stereotypical foreign Asian exchange student who is essentially Long Duck Dong. So he actually ported it into this movie instead of Christmas Vacation, which he would make later. Yes, we know it does not age well. I'm in full agreement. Not only is he played by an adult, but he is a stereotype. Getty Watanabe is American. He's putting on an accent. Again, I'm not going to criticize him because it was hard as hell to get parts as an Asian an Asian American in this era. Pat Morita's talked about that a lot. But, yeah. <laughs> a character that doesn't age well. The sister, on the other hand. I don't think people talk about the sister in this movie enough. She's completely delusional. She's on cloud nine. She's just, oh my god. She's so different to Sam. The dynamics of Sam being like, the true middle child here. I know they have four, but she's definitely more of the middle child. It's just, you know, she looks up to her sister, but <laughs> her sister is just a terrible person. I really don't have time for this. Oh, that room, the wallpaper, the curtains. Ugh. <laughs> I love, again, how her sister says that she's acting like the asshole. Sam. Is there anything worse than when someone accuses you of being jealous or selfish when you're totally not being that way. She's not selfish or wanting people to acknowledge her birthday. <laughs> oh boy. So Getty Watanabe has said that the gong was not in the script, that he was kind of like, oh boy, when he heard the gong for the first time, maybe at the premiere or something. It's quiche. <laughs> you don't spell it, you eat it. God.
Uh, no, he's not about uh, Sam's age. He's 12 years older. Okay. Oh, let's laugh at the foreign guy. Can grandparents adopt an exchange student? Like, that's a thing? Slumber is out there. Let me know. School dance. Oh, no. Stop at the gong, guys. I never noticed that DJ booth at the school dance. She's awesome who's ever in there. This is cool. This is real cool. Everyone's at this dance. Look at look at uh, Joan Cusack. Love Molly's dress. Oh my god. All that fabric. <laughs> I've always loved like the row of geeks and just kids. Yeah, the wallflowers, if you will. Everyone goes to the dance, even these kids, but they don't even know why they went to the dance. Well, they know why. They're just socially awkward. We've been there. And then we get his friends. Farmer Ted's friends. One of them played by John Cusack. Cusack has talked about this a lot. Yes, he's still blocking this show on Twitter. But, you know, he was one of these just Chicago actors, Chicago teen actors. He used to go out for these things as extras and... Him and his sister both got this one. His two friends are just great. Honestly, they're highlights of this film. Maybe they don't always make the right choice, but <laughs> they're great. Sophomore meat. I've always remembered that phrase. They're freshmen, too. And in these movies, they really highlight the dynamic between sophomores and freshmen. Slow dance. A high school romance is forever. Want to talk quickly about the music of this film? Such a good soundtrack. And I say soundtrack because... Well, actually, I shouldn't say soundtrack. I actually have the soundtrack, and I was really disappointed when I got it. Because, yeah, it has the Stray Cat, 16 Candles. It has If You Were Here by the Thompson Twins. Great song. But it's missing a lot of the awesome songs. It only has like six songs on this soundtrack. The one that I was most disappointed that it was missing, honestly, was True by the Spandau Ballet. I'm a Spandau fandau. I'll admit it. And yeah, I mean, so true. Funny how it seems. You know, I think of that song mostly with this movie. And if you were here by the Thompson Twins. So both should have been on the soundtrack. I'm not sure why they went for such a short, short soundtrack. Oh boy, Farmer Ted. <clears throat> He's trying his damnedest, you know? Am I for the macho shtick? Of course not, but I have to laugh at it. Oh, God. He's so good. Anthony Michael Hall is so good. I'd cry too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
It's tough being 16. Everyone forgot your birthday. The guy you like is with some older girl who, again, is in her 20s, but is still in high school. Not really, but... <laughs> well, really, but not in the movie. And then the guy hitting on you is the king of the dorks. In the 80s dynamic, it's tough. It's tough. But, you know, his friends look up to him because he's the only one of them with, like, the guts to... I don't know, ask her all dance. Does he have all the moves? No, but <laughs> I bet you a dozen floppy disks. I've always loved that line too. That's like gold back then. I wonder how many floppy disks it would take to hold a podcast episode on. I'm sure that's easy to look up, but whatever. Slumbers out there, if you tell me that, slide into my DMs. How many floppy disks? It would take to hold one podcast episode. I will give you something. Something High School Slumber Party related. A prize. Maybe a cake. Maybe I'll bake you a 16 Candles cake. This was also the era when guys and girls had very similar haircuts. I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying. Oh, Joan Cusack and you're dancing. For years, I did not realize that this was supposed to be a teenager. Because she's, I don't know, she just didn't strike me as a teenager because he doesn't look like a teenager. Like, I think the first couple times I watched this movie, I didn't think that Long Tuck Dong was a teenager. I thought they just brought some random guy over to their dance, and I didn't think she was a teenager either, uh, his his date. But you know what? They fall in love. Apparently, there's a lot of deleted scenes with the two of them crashing, I think, a diner or something. But, I, like, I don't know. They're trying to play this up for comedy. Oh, my God. He found love. It's weird. She's very athletic, and he's not from this country. <laughs> Oh, the 80s. And we talk about, too, in a lot of things, not just in this podcast, but I know I mentioned a lot on Too Fast, Too Forever that there was just this, like, Japanese phobia in the 80s. It was this, like, idea, you know, your grandpa fought in World War II and Japan was destroyed and now they were coming back and selling us VCRs and that meant that we were all going to, you know, be taken over from them. It was very weird. This is the first, like, time in the movie you're like, oh, Jake. You know, well, he mentioned her before, but, like, now he seems to actually be pursuing her. I think a character that over the years has gotten a lot more sympathy is his girlfriend. (laughs) Because, like, she thinks everything's great. She thinks everything's fine. Meanwhile, he's pursuing, you know, another relationship behind her back. I don't know if it's a relationship. It might just be a hookup, which is kind of worse. And when we see what happens to her later, we're going to feel even more bad for her. Love this shot. Love this shot. (laughs) They love John Cusack here, and I do too. She didn't wear a dress to this dance. She wore a sweater with a dress on it. 
<laughs> I love watching movies this way because it forces me to pay attention the entire time and notice things that I've never even noticed before, even though I've seen this movie probably a hundred times. <laughs> I'm back, so I smell. <laughs> You know, she holds her own. I love it. I always forget her friend's name, Randy. Farmer Fred. Apologies for uh, talking throughout your movie, but this is what you signed up for. <laughs> oh, John Cusack. Again, like, I have a more appreciation for this now than even, like, a year ago. Because, again, I don't think he's being portrayed as, like, a cool dude. Obviously not. I think he's just copying what he's seen in old movies and stuff and copying... What he sees on TV, and it's just not working. He's falling flat on his face. Oh, the auto shop scene. This is a nice, sweet moment they have here that kind of redeems the character. If you thought, ooh, this guy's a sleazebag. <clears throat> How many of your schools had an auto shop? That's something I talk about a lot. Like, we didn't have one. They got rid of a lot of auto shops in American classrooms, and it's unfortunate. You know, that's a skill I wish I had. You know how much an oil change costs these days? Well, you should if you have a car. And see, like, in close quarters, he apologizes. Well, not, you know, 100% sincerely, but he apologizes. So Anthony Michael Hall and Molly Ringwald originally did not like each other on the set they just were not friends at all like i don't know what it was but whatever john hughes saw an issue with this and he picked him up brought him to a record store and it's like buy what you want have fun and they actually bonded over the music they liked and became friends um the rave ups which uh, molly ringwald wrote on her Binder, that was a band she she uh, showed she liked, and I think she discovered at that record store. Um, their relationship developed so much that some people have said, and I'd have to check, I do have Molly Ringwald's book, but I don't remember this. Some people have said that they actually dated briefly after this movie, uh, but before The Breakfast Club. So obviously it didn't work out, but they're still friends. Um, the one thing that I read, actually, that was interesting about this that I didn't know, is that since they were both 16, after... They would wrap shooting for the day. The cast would go out and to like Chicago bars and drink and just have a good time. And they couldn't go, so they would just hang out at the hotel. And they ended up like crashing bar mitzvahs and other events that the hotel banquet hall would have just to hang out there. Could you imagine an un like going through like photos of an old bar mitzvah or an old like quinceanera or something in the Chicago area in nineteen eighty two or whenever this was filmed? I guess it was filmed in 83, but regardless, and then seeing like Anthony Michael Hall and Molly Ringwald in the background of a photo, be like, what? I think it's in Molly's book, but I've read it in a couple places actually that 
These two were the biggest muses of John Hughes. They were in most of his films, but they really actually hurt his feelings when they started saying no to him. He wanted Molly Ringwald, I think, to be in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He wanted uh, Anthony Michael Hall to be in uh, Pretty in Pink and all these other movies, right? And Anthony Michael Hall didn't want to play the geek anymore. Molly Ringwald wanted to move on to different things. I guess it was the right choice. I'm not sure. But, you know, you can't force an actor to do the same thing over and over again. But John Hughes was hurt by this. And according to Molly Ringwald, like, he never really talked to the two of them after they finished doing movies with him. And he never really talked to the two of them to the day he died. John Hughes became pretty reclusive. That's why that Ferris Bueller commentary that I've talked about on one of the DVDs is such a treasure. Because you hardly hear from him. I wonder if he would have come back today you know netflix would throw a lot of money at him to just make new teen films of course they would have especially in this teen film renaissance i don't know if he would have taken it though but some people say and even molly has expressed this opinion that when his old group of people stopped making movies with him that he just stopped doing teen films and he even you know went to a different genre which is true i don't know if that was his reasoning but oh god you know, they have a nice moment, he puts on the macho shtick again. They have a nice moment, he puts on the macho shtick. <laughs> Fresh breath's a priority of my life. Yeah, I think the way the scene ends, if I remember correctly, it ends on a pretty nice note. Because he, he admits it. He admits he's trying to look cool. And she's giving him, you know, words of encouragement. And it's true, like, the gulf between freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior in high school can feel like so... Much. So much. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, don't save yourself for Jake Ryan. Well, don't have sex with the geek either, but... Uh, teenagers... And you know what's nice? That he says, one, Jake's my boy, which I love. But two, he's not like, oh no, I like this girl. I don't want to tell her that Jake said that. He's instantly like, hey, I could set this up. This girl's nice enough, you know? He was kind of in it for superficial reasons, but if he can set up a true love hookup, why not? I'm a gambling man by nature. <laughs> so subtly checks if there's lipstick there so he could show off.
Oh God. The underwear. The underwear. You know what, though? She does a nice thing by giving her underwear, as weird as that sounds. He should have do what he does later, but... Hey, floppy disks are expensive. <laughs> I love this dynamic that she kind of threw a party at his house. <laughs> The richest, most popular adults in town. Okay, that's a little bougie of a statement. She's right, though, Jake. You're not screwing around, but she's got good instincts on this. Oof. Oof. It's going to get intense. I forgot how much of this movie is at this prom. This movie takes place over a couple days? A day? Yeah, I guess it's a day, right? Two days? See, like I said, she's not Ferris Buellering and breaking the fourth wall. But it feels like it because she's talking to herself a lot and in the general direction of the camera. No eye contact, but pretty good. <laughs> the parents forcing the kid to go to prom for the dance. <laughs> Again, this movie has such wacky elements like that football player just taking the, uh, just like a. Instead of a coat taking a girl like that. It didn't seem like it was against her will. And see, he has anxiety to talk to her too because he just like doesn't know her, doesn't know what to say. He's in the same circle. Wow, I never noticed the pockets on his pants. <laughs> He's in the same circles every day. He talks to these popular kids. So they don't really interact, and this is different for him. It's new. So Jake Ryan, Molly Ringwald, Sam, they have similar similar uh, barriers to talk to each other. More than people would think. I'll put it that way. <laughs> so yes, they shouldn't have charged people to see her underwear. In the defense of this movie, though, maybe it's a weak defense, I don't know, but watch a lot of movies from this era. They do a lot worse than this. They do a lot worse than showing a girl's underwear. High school movies I'm talking about. Ooh, ooh. That's not safe. I doubt he has a driver's license in the United States. Hehehehe. <laughs> 
Ugh, terrible. Long duck dong. This was always something that I don't think a lot of people talk about, but I've talked about it on, on the last times we've discussed this movie. Um, even though they don't have an Italian last name, there's a heavy implication of like some anti-Italian stereotypes and mafia things here. The Godfather theme is playing. So a lot of, uh, a lot of stereotypes in, in this movie, that's fair to say. As my rabbits make noise in the background, apologies, guys. I can't edit that out since we are queued up to the movie. <laughs> they portray the guy as such a sleaze. I wonder how old the sister is supposed to be. Because he looks mad old. Not old shaming here, just saying. Is that an old mobile? Ah, uh, see, that tray is a leftover item from their uh, drive through scene that was cut from the film. Would have been a good scene for Kyle's podcast, Kyle Reinfried's podcast, Food Films. Oh, the high school party. <laughs> I mean, he has the right to be pissed. No one wanted this party to get out of hand like this, especially not him. Well, probably specifically him. Seems like everyone wanted to get out of hand. What is with jock straps in this movie? Do people wear jock straps like that? Look, even Joan Cusack uninvited to the party. Give this lady a straw. They did a lot of damage in a little bit of time. But again, caricature. This movie's one big caricature of high school. With some really sweet, innocent notes to it. Really personal notes. It's like... It's like a triered... Triered? <laughs> Tongue-tied? A weird transitional time, right? Like, every high school movie is supposed to be, like, dirty and... Have silly moments... Wow. <laughs> but at the same time, this one has a lot of heart, too. <laughs> I've always loved this because it's like, let me look her up in the yearbook. Oh, that's who she is. That's her full name, even though I already knew that. But again, I did it. I think anyone with a yearbook did it. Look up the girl you like in the yearbook. <laughs>
again, I feel like he reads like Playboy and GQ. And I don't mean Playboy for the porn necessarily. I'm sure he enjoys the naked ladies. But if you ever see like a 70s or 80s Playboy, it is true that they say like a lot of articles, but a lot of articles about being a man, you know. It was a gentleman's magazine. It wasn't just about the naked girls. I'm not going to pretend that. I'm not that. I feel like I'm defending it like I was alive in, in, 19, <laughs> in 1984 and reading Playboys. But, you know, like Playboys had legitimate articles, and a lot of them were actually very good articles, but a lot of them also were like, what does, what does a man do when he goes to a party, right? I'll put it this way. If you are perturbed by this movie, I totally understand in 2021. But if you want to understand what culture it came from, Go on eBay, order yourself a 1984 Playboy, or even one from before that. Order also a National Lampoon's magazine that John Hughes wrote for. The culture was different. It was so different. And yeah, like if you thumb through, is that a Duran Duran poster or Flock of Seagulls or something? <laughs> if you thumb through one of those Playboys, it's actually rather entertaining. But you just see, wow, what a different world. There was a certain way that a man was supposed to act, a playboy man. And you know what, Farmer Ted? He's really fitting the bill. Not successfully, but he's fitting the bill. <laughs> I've actually liked this. He calls Sam's room. An old lady picks up her grandma. Sex. What did he want? Sex. Don't touch people like that, John Cusack. You got what you deserved. <laughs> PBRs, nice. Uh-oh. They knocked down the tower of PBRs. <laughs> Look how he blames his friends. He just throws them under the bus. God, John Cusack's such a good actor. Put it on that guy. More gongs. Oh, in the world before you can text, right? Where you can just text, be like, hey, this is Jake. What's up? You know, before you have to call a home. Hey, she's your girlfriend. She needs you. She drank a little too much. You close the door on her. Oh, no. Oh. Oh. I hate when this... When I see this scene, because her parents... Oh, they put on her parents' clothes, and they break the pearls, and the rings for a coat. Oh. Well, yeah, dude, don't keep calling. Clearly old people have picked up. 
At this point, that's his fault. I don't know if you guys remember that, if you're like my age or older, but when you did call someone's home, you kind of were like, hello, Mrs. Blah, blah, blah. May I speak to your son, Chet? You know, hi, this is blah, blah, blah. You know, there were phone manners. That doesn't exist anymore because when you call someone, you call that direct person, right? Like you're not calling a home and hoping to get with someone like, hello, Mrs. Blah, blah, blah. Hello, Mr. So-and-so. May I speak with blah, blah, blah? I have anxiety thinking about doing that now. <laughs> I don't know why. A crowd has gathered because her hair is stuck in there. <laughs> oh my god, those scissors. Every time I see them. And again, get closer to the door, girl. No. This is actually a wig, FYI. Not just because of the cutting scene. Um, the actor's name. What's her name? Havilland Morris. How could I forget? Havilland Morris was actually a redhead as well. And John Hughes didn't want two redheads. Oh, shit. Oh my god. I don't know why I don't remember this. The weight breaks through and crushes the wine in the wine cellar. No. <sighs> oh yes, so Havland Morris was a redhead. John Hughes did not want two redheads. And honestly, I get it from an aesthetic point of view. Not that, you know, as many redheads as possible. That's not my point. But you don't want Jake Ryan's, you know, decision, if you will, to be like, Oh, I'm choosing between redheads, or the people to be like, he's got a thing for redheads. It's cool to distinguish characters between each other. I'm for it. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. God, the pockets on his pants. <laughs> Good thing you're rich, Jake Ryan, and you could have someone clean it up for you because this is going to be bad when your parents get back. I think he implies that parents don't care either. This dude's more of an, like a model than an actor, honestly. I thought it was Pabst Blue Ribbon, but it looks like a different beer. Old style. I'm going to look up what that beer is. <laughs> oh, Farmer Ted. Trapped under some glass. This is the scene that he wrote purposely for this actor. And honestly, it's one of the best scenes of the movie, I think. Acting-wise. He finally acknowledges... Acknowledges that they forgot her birthday. 
I love going to weddings, but weddings are so annoying when you have them. All the planning, all the coordinating, all the family drama. Ugh. But as a guest, they're awesome. Like, I don't have kids. I don't know. You know, if I'm lucky enough to have kids and one of them gets married, I'll make sure I won't forget the other kid's birthday. Molly Ringwald's really able to portray vulnerability, which is awesome if you're playing a teenager. Well, she is a teenager. You know what I mean. Oh, it's nice to have someone there for you. <laughs> Even if he has no idea what's going on with her life. I've been in that position too where like everyone's talking about the wedding. You're like, no, it's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Look at that. Dads, take advice. It's important to communicate with your daughters and your children. Even though he's not connecting still, but I don't know. It feels like a good scene. <laughs> I love that line. I used to say it to my, my family, like my mom, you know, like, oh, I'm such a loser. She's like, you're not a loser. And it's like, thanks, mom. <laughs> you know, <laughs> your mom validating you feels almost more like a loser. So in this scene, I totally get it. Like, you're not a dork. Your mom doesn't think you're a dork. <laughs> oh, that's why they call them crushes. If they were easy, they'd call them something else. Sorry, sorry. I'm talking over your movie again. Interesting. Well, I don't know if it'll be forever, dude. Love is hard. Relationships take work. <laughs> so the original ending of this scene was make sure he knows who wears the pants in the family. And it reminds, sorry, let me clarify. I'm getting a little tongue tied on that. The original scene was written with the dad notices, by the way, Sam, where is your underwear? Like, and then someone read the script. It might've even been Molly Ringwald or another actor. And we're like, yeah, that's gross. Why is the dad noticing she doesn't have underwear? 
And John Hughes was like, yeah, you're right. So they rewrote it for that, like, make sure he knows who wears the pants in the family line, which kind of feels weird. But that was just to be able to cut to this, like, oh, my God. And then we see the underwear here. <laughs> Again, you know, on this watch, I'm realizing the Playboy, and I don't mean, well, I kind of mean, yeah, the definition of Playboy, but the Playboy magazine, GQ-esque maxim today, maybe, like, thing that Farmer Ted has going on here. See how he's mixing the cocktails like that? Like, oh, you know, I'm above beer. This is what I drink. Jake, would I dick you? You know what I mean? <laughs> he almost feels like he's someone from the jet set age. Different language, of course, but. And then he says a nice thing. <laughs> In his weirdo way. Like, you know, don't. Don't use her if you like her, like her. You know, like be with her, date her, get to know her. And he admits that he got her underwear, you know, the wrong way, essentially. Not as wrong as what Jake's about to do, but the wrong way. I could violate her any way I want to or something along the lines he just said. She's beautiful and built and all that. She's passed out of my room. I could do it, but I'm not going to do it. What a nice guy, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you're not going to rape your girlfriend. Good for you. Oh man, and this is why in 2021, Jake Ryan is not the guy he was even 10 years ago, as we slowly as a society realize this, what he's doing. But again, he's just talking here. These are just words. These are not actions. I think his action here is what's worse than his words. And we'll get to that in a second. The deal. <laughs> hey, you can't drive, freshman. You're, you've been drinking. Maybe not as much as the other people. Take my drunk girlfriend home. So I could cheat on her with another girl. Just put her in a bed somewhere. Keep her safe. Don't give her to this guy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Again, not something that plays well in 2021. It's my dad's car. <laughs> he couldn't drive stick. Oh, Rolls Royce. <laughs> Anthony Michael is such a good actor, though. He's such a good actor. Rolls-Royce, pretty girl. Ugh, don't do that shot, John Hughes. But Rolls-Royce, pretty girl. 
Problem is, she's not terribly conscious. Jake Ryan is sending them to their death. <laughs> it's just amazing. To their death. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at that part. I'm just laughing at the acting. Oh, God. That's backward, man. Now he's got to, like, make sure he doesn't run over a passed-out kid in the driveway or something. Oh, my God. That is a beautiful automobile. I wonder if Anthony Michael Hall had his driver's license in real life. I don't know. Maybe in Illinois in that time he did have his driver's license. I don't know why he'd be taking the bus. Maybe he doesn't have a car. I don't know. I'm trying to rationalize here. Boy... John Hughes, did you have to dress Long Duck Dong up in old-fashioned Japanese clothes? <laughs> These, like, fraternity jocks, whatever. I like how they let them put the lights back on their heads before throwing him in their trunk. And he waits for him. It's nice of them. They gave him a ride home. Could have been worse. Could have been a lot worse. Okay, he is a first-time driver. Chug a lug, Pooh Bear. If alcohol in the car, I don't know what DUI laws at this time are, but <laughs> the police presence. Not a lot. <laughs> okay, I'm laughing. I'm laughing. I'm freaking out about taking a birth control pill. Oh my god, birth control makes you okay to be super careless. What a message. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. 
No. <laughs> oh, he broke the fourth wall. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But again, his first instinct, his first instinct was not to do something wrong. Or maybe it was, I don't know, but he didn't do that necessarily. Well, this is kind of wrong, but I just love in the character that he's like, I need proof of this. It's not about the experience. It's more about, you know, looks, I guess, or optics of the situation. And again... This is one of my favorite lines this scene, so I can't criticize it too much. <laughs> UFO. Female extraterrestrials? That's not the line I like, but it's a funny line. I guess they're just best friends that are having a sleepover, right? They're not brothers. <laughs> oh, Kisaki's so good. <laughs> They're his best friends and he can't even be honest with them. He's more honest with Jake than them. Yes, you are breaking 30 laws here, Ted. Maybe more. Some very big ones that could put you in prison for the rest of your life. You are a minor, so maybe it won't be the rest of your life, but... I don't know the penal code in Illinois in 1984. Not only is he breaking laws, but now he has proof of it <laughs> with these photos. Wait, black and white. <laughs> it would capture the moment. That's one of my favorite lines of the movie. Yeah, not that cool. Ah, <laughs> oh, and they screwed up the photo. I never realized that. I mean, maybe I did. I just didn't remember. So why did you kick this girl out of your house again? You couldn't have just like slept on the couch while she slept in your bed? Just to think about what you're going to do in the morning? Oh, here's this golden retriever who's been roaming the neighborhood since the first shot of the movie. Waking up the donger. Oh, I shouldn't call him that. God. 
This is the era where people wore pajamas, like legitimately wore pajamas. Looking for Long Duck Dong. See, these are the dynamics again from that Christmas Vacation short story that you'll see again in Christmas Vacation. The slight differences between the grandparents. The dynamics between them. <laughs> so this uh the actress who played the mom actually made John Hughes put this in as well cuz originally that wasn't in the script and she was like wow what kind of mom would forget her daughter's birthday and just not remember at all, even when the dad mentioned it. So they're like, okay, let's put an apology scene, a quick apology scene, which is nice. Note to self, feed the rabbits before doing audio commentary because they are getting hungry and making some noise in the background, so I do apologize. This little brother's a shit. I don't know. I know I said I was a fan of his, but I'm kind of uh, turning against him. He's not Teen Witch level, but <laughs> they agree. Squeeze poster in the background. Oh, look at her hat collection. Never noticed all her hats. Here's Randy. Hey. <laughs> Not cool. Not cool. Look at the wood-paneled station wagon. We'll get that in... Well, we get that already in vacation, but... Another favorite Hughes thing. I do love, uh, and that's not on the soundtrack either, David Bowie's Young Americans. Which, again, I love Bowie. I love that song. And it always, uh, you know, really picked up the pace of this wedding scene. There he is. There's Long... Oh, don't call him Chinaman. God. <laughs> There's Long Duck Dong. What a beautiful neighborhood. I 
I love how too he's like, I paid seven grand for a wedding that I'll never see. People out there, even if you want a small wedding, it is going to cost more than $7,000. Let me just let you know right now, ahead of time. <sighs> yeah, he crashed your car, Grandpa. Apparently into a lake. So it wasn't just outside the party. Ugh, Grandma. Of course, this lady. Classic. I always forget her name. What's her name? Give me a second. Zelda. Zelda Rubenstein. Of course, she was in the aforementioned Teen Witch, and I think most famously in Ghost. Wait, not Ghost. She's in what's it called? <laughs> Poltergeist. <laughs> They're both kinds of ghosts, okay? Someone we didn't mention at the party, Robin, one of the friends, played by Jamie Gertz. We'll, of course, see Jamie Gertz in The Lost Boys. She's in Less Than Zero and Twister. She's also a part owner of the Atlanta Hawks NBA basketball team. In terms of cast, too, Brian Doyle Murray will make an appearance as the Reverend. He's also in Christmas Vacation. I know I've mentioned it a lot, but he's the boss in that. Apparently Molly Rogenwald's sister is in the movie. I'm going to look that up now. So this scene is interesting, right? I don't know if it's like an apology to what happened or whatever, but they don't know what even happened. So they were both drunk, I guess, which scares me that he was driving like that. But they kind of both acknowledge they have a good time. So at least she wasn't horrified when she woke up. I don't know if that's like a consolation prize or whatever. Yeah, so Molly Ringwald's sister is actually the girl that the football player brings out of the uh, <laughs> um, out of the coat room in that earlier scene that I described. Interesting, Beth Ringwald. It, it's a doorbell. You ring it, Jake. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha. 
Fair to say Long Duck Dong is a little hungover here. Probably, probably injured. Oh, oh, I was like, why is he afraid of him? Because, yeah. I guess he, you know, had an altercation with him at his house. I totally forgot about that. Jake Ryan uses a lot of hair gel. Just noticed that. Oh, oh. I was like, I don't remember their altercation. He thought he was the girlfriend. Oily <laughs> Bohunk. Is Bohunk a slur? If it is, I apologize for repeating it. Yeah, I'd be confused too. She's 16. So yeah, Brian Doyle Murray here, but he's not like being Brian Doyle Murray, unfortunately. So would they put her on like sedatives or something because she was nervous and she has her period? I don't know. The bride I'm talking about, of course, her older sister. Oh, Sam, nice words of encouragement to her sister and knocks her out, but that's not her fault. Wow, no pomp and circumstance here. They just walk up <laughs> and sit at the pew. And let's do it. <laughs> so interesting. So strange she just sits down oh my god very physical acting here by the older sister i don't think i said her name her name is carolyn glenn carolyn glenn Oh, she won a Tony. Wait, no, that's not her. That's the mom. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? Okay, the mom is Brenda Baker, Jim Baker, Ginny Baker. Oh, Blanche Baker is actually her real name. So sorry, she actually won an Emmy. So she didn't win a Tony, she won an Emmy. For a Holocaust miniseries. Very accomplished actor in her own right.
<laughs> Sorry, his reaction. Why Why react like that? You know what you were doing. What are you, holy shit, they're alive? That's what you're surprised about? You wanted them both dead and out of the picture, Jake? All right, I'm curious what he's going to say here. I'm really curious because I forgot. Oh, God, how did the friends get the phone number in the uh, in the car? Oh, I think he called them earlier, right? To be right. I don't know. I should have been taking notes while I was watching. I mean, I guess she should apologize for that, even though he did worse things. Like, shouldn't have had a party at his house without his consent. See, this is where I think John Hughes gets a lot right. Most things right, to be honest with you. When you are dating someone in high school, you think it's going to be forever. And when it's not, it's like a weird moment. Like, oh, it's okay that it's not forever. Breakups happen. <laughs> the priest has lipstick on his mouth from someone kissing him and then the uh the dad tips him <laughs> i never noticed that she tries to eat the rice here the the bride the older sister because you know what i'm not focused on them during this part i'm thinking about molly and jake sorry sam and jake Now, I was always upset that Molly didn't attend the reception because I love wedding receptions. Again, attending as a guest, I love wedding receptions. But it seems like this reception might be short and it might be a shit show. Oh, boy. <laughs> Again, I just didn't remember how much time they devote to this. Oh, the dress is hanging out. A little bit. <laughs> oh, man. Here's the moment, though. Here's the moment. The moment we've all been waiting for. Exiting the church. Little Thompson twins playing. Well, you know, we'll get to it. Got a, some cars got to lose so we can see hottie Jake Ryan in his sweater. 
Then we get it. Then we get the Thompson twins. And if you were here, ugh, beautiful. As much as I talk negatively about some things in this movie, I still love this movie. I still get emotional at this scene. Look, that's who she wanted to be with. That's who he wanted to be with. You know, they have chance for a nice, nice little romance here, and it's it's cute. It's cute. You can't. You know, I don't know. It's weird because it's like they haven't really talked, but it's like. I think it's every teenager's dream that your crush just shows up and it's like, hey, let's start dating. And they're both awkward. They both don't know what to say. (laughs) Right? Like, she had no idea this would happen. So I'm just happy for her. I'm happy for Sam. Again, even though Jake Ryan has made his mistakes in this movie, that's for sure. I'm still happy for Sam. He looks disappointed that she has a reception to go to. It's your sister's wedding reception. Ah, I know, I know, I'm torn. I know it was probably going to be a shit show, and I know it wasn't going to be fun, but... It's still your sister's wedding reception. You have to go, Sam. But I get it. She gets to live out her teenage fantasy. Well, that this is the boy. All right. If the dad says it's okay, I guess it's okay. All right. Dad gives a stamp of approval. Let's speed away in his beautiful car. And the iconic shot of the movie is the last shot, the birthday shot, the candles. I get emotional watching every time. It already came true. Nice, nice. Thompson twins. Don't burn yourself. <laughs> and they get the kiss. I've always imagined what happened between him picking her up, freeze frame, him picking her up, and this scene right here. Like, did they just talk? And she's like, oh, it was actually my birthday the other day. My parents forgot it. This is what's happened in the last couple of days. And she replayed 16 Candles to him, essentially you know, communicating it to him, I should say. And he's like, no, we're going out. We're going to ShopRite. We're getting you a cake. We're putting those 16 candles on the cake. And boom, we're going to have a nice little moment here. I don't know. But thank you for listening to this with me. Thank you for letting me talk over your 16 candles. And happy birthday to us. You know what? I made a wish. It already came true. You listened to this entire episode. I appreciate it so much. We get a little... uh. We get a little Stray Cats here, 16 Candles. Is it Stray Cats? I think I just said that right. I know it's not the Cherry Poppin' Daddies. Yup, it's the Stray Cats, 16 Candles. Awesome song, awesome movie. You know, again, is it a movie of 2021? No, but it is an important movie for High School Slumber Party. One of the best high school movies, I think. And, and importantly, it started off the John Hughes High School oeuvre that would really, really set the genre 
to new heights, we'll say. So once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for celebrating my birthday with me. Well, the podcast birthday, I should say. So I'm going to crawl into that sleeping bag and hit the hay. Remember, guys, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop looking around once in a while, you could miss it. Later, dudes.